Hello and welcome to the Pads Dads podcast. Pads are positive about Down syndrome. It's an initiative from Down Syndrome UK, a registered national charity. And the dads, well, one of them's me and I meet a load of others. I'm Ben. I'm dad to Leo, who's eight months old. We found out when he was four days old that he had a confirmed diagnosis of Down syndrome. And we had absolutely no experience at all of Down syndrome before meeting Leo. You know, we didn't have anyone in our lives who had Down syndrome we had a lot of learning to do. Jem was amazing. She reached out and built connections and formed new connections with people, other parents with children with Down syndrome. I kind of put my head in the sand and wanted to avoid it and not really think about it, to be perfectly honest. I'm coming out of that now. This podcast is very much a kind of selfish endeavor for me as well to be able to kind of start pushing myself out of my comfort zone and start having conversations about Down syndrome with other dads. I think, you know, my message to you as a dad, as, uh, you know, maybe your child is yet to be born or, or recently born with Down syndrome, my message to you is it's great to talk, but you don't need to right now. You know, take everything at your own pace. This podcast is all about having conversations with dads to show that there are lots of wonderful people out there who are willing to have these conversations. At the same time, if you just want to listen to get some information, but also just to get a kind of bit of comfort that there are other people out there like you going through this you know understanding and learning about down syndrome and how to best help their child with down syndrome look just have a listen and of course don't forget you can join the facebook groups pads dads and pads dads to be a two closed private non-judgmental facebook groups that you can join and you can also join positive about down syndrome on facebook or you can go and find out more about down syndrome uk as a whole down syndrome uk.co.uk is that website and right today we're meeting carl and carl has got an incredible story his son Orson was born via surrogacy and his five-month-old son Felix as well so Orson has Down syndrome Felix doesn't have Down syndrome and he was born through surrogacy as well this is a really interesting chat with a really really lovely bloke right let's crack on with it hope you enjoy it Carl first of all thank you so much for your time really nice to meet you yeah, you too. Pleasure. Thank you for, for having me. <laughs> Carl, I ask everyone this the first question is, did you always want to be a dad? I did. But the first thing you should probably know about me is I can be quite stubborn. <laughs> I've, okay. always been, I've always been quite stubborn. And being, uh, or when I realised probably in my teens at some point that I was gay, I wanted to kind of prove the world wrong that I could still have a family and I was still going to be a dad. So I guess through kind of great determination and stubbornness, I was always determined to be a dad. Yeah, and I still made that happen for myself. Amazing. And now dad to two. Yeah. Which <laughs> is <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> <laughs> that was just just for the benefit of the listener, that was a, a mind-blowing uh, gesture there. Um, so you're with Nick. Yeah. How long have you guys been together for? Yes. It was 12 years and my wow. seven this summer. And um, I mean, with Nick, did Nick always want kids too? So Nick was quite opposite to me in that sense, as in he just assumed that when he realised he was gay that he would never have kids. So right, he kind okay. of written the idea off and then he met me and I was kind of like in my head, I had that sort of typical plan. I was like, well, I want to be married by the time I'm 30 and then we are going to have children. And if you don't want that, then <laughs> see you. So you were quite clear from the beginning. Mind. Yeah, yeah. I always knew what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, amazing. I was to get it. And yes, yeah, so when I met Nick, uh, that was kind of how I laid it down. 
we explored all avenues. First, we looked at kind of fostering and looked into adoption and explored surrogacy all at the same time and sort of found our way through those pathways to parenthood to get a feel for what felt right for us. Uh, and as much as we loved the idea of fostering or adopting, it didn't quite feel like that was the right path for us. Uh, and then surrogacy became an option and that's the route we pursued. And we're with, uh, oh, no, but we are still with them, but we had our children through an, organiz- an organization called Surrogacy UK. Carl, I think, you know, most people will know, you know, fostering, adoption, maybe not the ins and outs of the process, but they'll understand kind of what those two things are. I think yeah. surrogacy has a few more kind of, I don't know, it's a bit less understood and maybe a few mm-hmm. more myths around surrogacy. Yeah, maybe this, uh, I was listening to um, Jeremy Vine on Radio 2 the other day and Surrogacy UK, there were some representatives on Jeremy Vine's show because there's some... Is it, is it right thinking there's some laws changing around surrogacy in the UK? Yeah. yeah. They, were, they were talking... Right. Okay, interesting. Can you tell us about surrogacy then and your experience and, and why that fit best for you and Nick? Yeah. So I think a lot... We were naive to begin with. I'm saying naive. To begin with, we our idea of surrogacy was probably what we've seen sort of portrayed in films or that kind of Americanized version of surrogacy, which is a world apart from what surrogacy is like in the UK. So the first thing about surrogacy in the UK is that it's altruistic. So that basically means a surrogate cannot be paid um, for carrying a child for someone in this country. They are able to be reimbursed for expenses that are incurred as a result of the pregnancy. And that's very clear. And the organizations like Surrogacy UK support surrogates to work out what those expenses might be. And then even when it goes right through the process of the courts as well, that's something that can be or might be asked for um, during the parental order process. But the essence of Surrogacy UK, which is what attracted us to surrogacy and having children through SUK as an organization, was that it's based on friendship first. So you get to, you go to social events, Some of the, uh, there's a lot more online now because of COVID and you turn up and you are classed as an intended parent when you first get there. And there are other intended parents there, there are other surrogates there and everyone's just there to kind of mingle and sort of feed each other out a little bit and get to know each other and just and try and form those friendships. The great thing about SUK is that the surrogates choose who they want to help. So with the support of the organization, they will say actually, you know, like the person who helped us. I want to I want to help Carl and Nick. And so we got a phone call from SUK and it's like it's a massive thing within SUK getting the call. Um usually from Dawn. She says, Oh, so and so wants to get to know you. And then sometimes you got a feeling about who was gonna ask you, other other times you don't. It was a complete surprise for us. And then you spend about three months or a minimum of three months um calls getting to know each other. And that's where you sort of find out more about each other as people, what your likes and interests are, but also where you stand on certain sort of things to do with the pregnancy. So what type of birth you would like, what type of relationship you would like with the surrogate during trying to conceive and post-birth, what sort of contacts the the children who are born through surrogacy might have and all that sort of thing, just to make sure you're on the same page. Um, You also get to go through some really sort of quite dark sort of questions that you don't always think about um, when having children. So what to do in cases of medical diagnosis and situations that you might um, seek for the medical advice or seek for termination, those kind of things. So to make sure that you and the surrogate are all on the same page before trying to conceive, whether that's through the kind of traditional surrogacy route or whether it's through the, I'm going to say non-traditional because I can't remember what the other word is now. That's not what it's called. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I know what you mean. <laughs> 
horse. That's the way I'm looking for traditional horse. Okay, horse surrogacy. Okay, so this feels like a good time to talk about when you found out about Orson's diagnosis. Yeah. When was that? So we didn't get confirmation of Orson having Down syndrome until after he was born. Part of that was. Well, it was a choice, but you know, part of it was a choice because at the time during the pregnancy, it didn't make a difference to us. Perhaps naively, we didn't want to accept that that might be the truth during the pregnancy, and we thought, well, you know, we'll just wait and see. We'll wait and see. It might not be. It might not be. We did have. So, so uh, just to just say, was there was it raised that there might be a chance during the pregnancy? Yeah. So at okay. the uh, the twelve week bloods. Um, yeah. The, the result for Down syndrome came back as quite high. I mean, when we look back on it now, like it was really high, a region of, but we were like, ah, it's only like, I think it was like one in one, one in 149 or one in 150 or something like that. It was like just okay. on the edge. We were like, oh, that's like a point naught, like point naught one percent chance of, of it being Down syndrome. There's still a 99% chance that it won't be. But in reality, you know, other people get regions like, one in ten thousand to one in twenty thousand all that sort of thing um so i guess we were kind of a little bit naive in that sense but we just sort of put it to the back of our minds and said it doesn't matter to us it won't make a difference and you know in truth it hasn't made a difference but it also meant that we weren't as prepared as we might have otherwise been if we had confirmation of that diagnosis beforehand how did you take it when you you got the the confirmation so the first thing that happened was so Orson arrived four weeks early. Um, so Gemma, who was the sort of who carried for us, um, and is now one of our best friends. We were just at Pink with her on Sunday night. <laughs> we went to the Pink concert. Um, so we're also really, we're also really good friends. That's really, that's awesome, by the way. That is such a, that's that's a really lovely thing to know. That's what we wanted from it. We wanted a friend for life. We wanted someone who wanted to be part of our lives because I, it might be different for for straight couples, but as a gay couple. You can't really hide the fact, <laughs> you know, once they learn how children are brought into this world, they're going to be like, hang on, what's going on here? <laughs> so for us, it was always important to, to know who would help us uh, have children who'd carry children for us so we can have that relationship with them. Um, and to the, I mean, the boys are obviously very young at the minute, but to them, it, um, she's just Gemma and that's what she wants to be known as. And yeah, she's just our our best friend, Gemma, really. So And is Gemma also, did Gemma carry Felix too? Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. That was that's... important to us as well. That So we've gone through traditional surrogacy, so that's Gemma using her own eggs, and it was really important for us that the boys had that genetic link, just in case like they needed each other in the future for whatever reason, but also so that they did have like that blood kind of relation with each other, because Orson is biologically mine and Felix is biologically Nick's. Awesome. Okay, so the reason I ask how did you feel is because before we started recording... I kind of said to you that the reason that I wanted to do this podcast is that Leo is eight months old and my fiance Gemma, not the same Gemma, my Gemma, <laughs> she was really good at kind of reaching out and finding support. You know, she, she, she was great at kind of talking to her friends and family who she's, you know, kind of support networks, established yeah. support networks, but she was also really good at building new connections with parents of children with Down syndrome. And I didn't do that. You know, I I didn't want to talk about it. And actually, I kind of, I very much buried my head in the sand. And before we started recording, I said to you, you know, this is all about, this is for dads who I don't want to kind of 
to force people to talk. You know, if they're not ready to, I don't want to say, go just you know, push yourself out of your comfort zone and talk about it because you have to. You don't. Yeah. You can do whatever you like. But this is for dads who might not be ready to talk, but who might find comfort in listening. So yeah. how did you feel, Carl? It was, it was scary. It was overwhelming. And I think at the time, so Austin arrived four weeks early. And at that time, it was like, you know, action stations, let's go, let's get to the hospital, let's see what's happening, let's find out, you know, why he arrived four weeks early. He needed recess breaths, so that was, you know, something scary that we had to kind of process as well. But when we saw him for the first time, my, it's cliche, but my sort of world stopped and I knew instantly that I loved him and I was going to love him forever. And so that just clicked for me straight away. For Nick, it didn't, I think it felt a little bit different and a bit more detached because of how he'd arrived and it was very sudden and very much of an, an emergency situation. Yeah, you know, after a couple of days when they sort of set things had settled down and they were trying to talk to us about a possible diagnosis of Down syndrome, I felt as though that news that they were trying to deliver was spoiling the birth of my son. Like I wanted to just enjoy being a new dad in that moment. Um, and I felt as though I couldn't because they were pointing out physical features that might indicate he had Down syndrome. And that I get why the doctors and the nurses were trying to do that, but it took a, it took off the the shine of being a new parent. And I think that's you know no matter what happens through a pregnancy, no matter what diagnosis you get. Um, or if you you know if you've got that confirmed diagnosis of Down syndrome before your son or daughter is born, there's something so important and precious that you won't get back about trying to enjoy with those first moments. Um, so yeah, that was that was the first kind of not spoiler, but it did sort of put a damper on things because I just wanted to be and enjoying the moment. And they kept saying, you know, it might you know his toes, the the. Is the bridge of his nose, the eyes, and all those kind of things, and it's exactly the same experience that we had, and they were pointing out exactly the same things. I think actually, we went... I'm, I'm quite upset listening to you talk about this because I I feel exactly the same way, and it's something that I feel quite angry about, actually, in a way. Yeah. Having said that, we needed to know because you need to take steps for the well-being of your child. You know, yeah. You, you, you know, you do need to know. I actually think that because. I'm not sure who first picked up on it with you, but for us, it was our midwife, um, who's amazing. We had a home birth with Leo, and he was born 25 past two in the morning. They did a very quick kind of top-to-toe check, and I wonder if she had her suspicions then. But she said, look, I'm going to come back tomorrow morning, so first thing Monday morning, and we'll do a kind of top-to-toe check in the light then. Like, you go back to bed, and, you know, she let us have a day... And I don't, you know, I've not asked her, but I don't know if she kind of let us have that day before yeah. saying, look, I've spotted these things that could mean there's a chance of Down syndrome here. Oh God, it's probably making me like <laughs> really upset thinking back to that. Like it, it did. It, it It's one of the things that's really crap about it actually is that uh, that kind of, that baby bubble was was burst like the baby yeah. bubble that you hear about you know oh yeah the dads are off for paternal leave for this you know our baby bubble was burst like straight away because even though we didn't it wasn't confirmed by the blood test until he was four days old you know from day one it was in our heads and i was doing the stupid thing of googling and going down yeah. rabbit holes on the internet yes i can relate to that it was um it, yeah it, it burst that bubble and i think we just wanted to be he was in hospital and we knew he was safe. 
And I think there was something so important about that for us was that he was here, he was alive, and he was healthy, given this sort of dramatic entrance that he'd made. And you know, people kept coming in and, oh, you know, his toes are, you know, there's a big toe gap. And I was kind of countering that all the time. I was going, yeah, well, I've got a big gap between my toes. And, you know, it doesn't mean anything. And That's try what I said. Take... <laughs> <laughs> just trying to kind of bat things off in that sense. And I think they were trying to just get us to wrap our heads around the idea that he might have Down syndrome. And we did have that in our heads, but we were just like, well, we'll wait until there's a confirmed diagnosis. And then they did the blood test and things like that. Um, but whilst we're waiting for the blood results to come back for that, other things were happening in the hospital. Um, so the doctor who'd first sort of identified the toe gap and things like that, she came around one day with um, a group of student teachers, uh, student teachers, student doctors, sorry, um, and said, oh, can we can we have a look at Orson? And we didn't think anything of it. Um, and we were, you know, always wanted to be helpful. Um, she said, yeah, come in, please do. And we were kind of to one side. And this was the... Uh, this bit makes me upset, so it still gets me angry. Because we were new parents and everything was quite, you know, it was a stressful situation, but we were just trying to kind of ride through it. And with the student doctors, they were trying to identify what about Orson looked like he had Down syndrome. Right. And so they were kind of, oh, well, can you see the eyes and, and can you see the toes and can you see this and can you see that? And it was, it was absolutely awful to watch. And I wish, I wish I'd stopped it. Because yeah. it really felt like my son was like some sort of spectacle to them. So, oh, here's something rare that you don't see every day. Let's see if you can spot what he might have wrong with him. It was literally what yeah, it felt yeah. like. And then a, a couple of days after that, the blood results came back to confirm it. And it was it was the way it was. And I sort of went into... I guess, I guess I did put my head in the sand. But it was more... I'd kind of just away from the... He might have it, he might not have it. And I'd gone into the, okay, he has it, but it's not going to stop him from doing anything. And let me just find all the resources and everything that I need to make sure that he can do whatever he wants. I am um, a man and I'm going to solve this yes, problem. I am going to fix this. <laughs> I am going to make yeah. sure that this does not happen sort of thing. And it wasn't, in hindsight, it wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't a bad approach to take because I, I started looking for groups online um, was the first thing. And I was, But then you go down rabbit holes, don't you? And, what can children with Down syndrome achieve? What you know, and it's just looking for source sounds awful, but looking for kind of success stories because you only ever hear about uh, until joint pads and DSUK, you only ever really hear about the negative side of things. Or it was so and so knew so and so on that street that they grew up in, um, and and their son or daughter never did anything, or then you know, or they were always so lovely, and it was you just never heard about successes in that sense um i know exactly what you mean and i think not that i was ever going to be a pushy dad you know i never wanted to like i'm very much a kind of you know i I want leo to be who he wants to be do what he wants to do you know very much kind of you know just want him to be have a happy life and you know let him define his own success having said that i think it's a case of like for me it was the thing that was really hurtful is that what if he's not able to, like what if he has an idea of success that he would love to achieve, but actually he just won't be able to get there. You know, I think that was the heartbreaking thing for me. I mean, what Nick dealt with it, he broke down in the car one night on the way back from the hospital. Austin had to stay in for two weeks um, because he was born early and they wanted to make sure that it was all right. And so we did a lot of traveling back and forth to the hospital 
and just one night in the car on the way back he just burst into tears which is very unlike him and his biggest fear at that point was that he would never get married and that he would never have children and and that kind of thing and to me that kind of hadn't factored in it into it because that was like a future situation and i wanted to deal with the now i wanted him to be a baby that we could enjoy at home and and be a, a toddler that was happy and had these opportunities available to him that other children had and i think connecting with ads and dsuk really encouraged us and support us to enjoy orson for being a baby and you know and now he's a toddler now almost and almost toddling around and just enjoy him as a child and not as a child who has down syndrome to not treat him or to not view it through that lens all the time because you can just enjoy them as a as a child and in the same way you would with any other child can i talk to you about going back to nick and thinking about the future that was a really big thing for me i didn't realize i mean there are a few cases of men with down syndrome having children very 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 few you know yeah. and that's something that i didn't know until i started my stupid googling rabbit holing going down <laughs> every follow just the worst idea possible yeah that. i mean the the, doc, the consultant said do not go on google and i said <laughs> of course i won't doctor first thing i did when i got home yeah you know, i took myself off got onto google and the consultant was right <laughs> shouldn't have done it but i didn't realize that this was a, a thing you know that the chances of leo having children were very very slim yeah. i so jem's got two children already and we talked about the fact that leo was probably going to be our one child and that was one of the things that hit me really hard is thinking well I might not be a biological granddad and yeah. looking even just saying that now so selfish that that's one of the things I was thinking about then but also you've used the word overwhelm I think it's when you find out something like this a million thoughts enter your head at once and some of them are going to be about you you know yeah. most of them are about the baby then of course about Jem and but then there's going to be a few that are selfish thoughts like Wolf never gets to be a granddad I think what you were saying earlier about, you know, you looked at adoption, you looked at fostering and that for you guys, surrogacy was the, the route forward. This is, a, I know what the answer to this question is and I, I don't mean to offend, but Felix isn't your son biologically. He's yeah. Nick's biological son. Yeah. Do you love Felix as much as you love Awesome? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like... Do you, know, do you know what I'm coming at here? It's kind of yeah, yeah. one of the things that I would never have thought about if Leo had been born as a typical child without Down syndrome is different types of of love. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, I think that's one of the the positives actually that's come out of this diagnosis for for me is that you know again selfishly it's making me a kind of a, a more well rounded person. I think, you know, I'm thinking about things that I would never have thought about before. Yeah. I feel like I've got more empathy towards people in different 
situations. What would you say some of the positives have been for you, Carl? So many that I never thought in those early days and weeks that I, were, I never thought I'd find them. But so many now, and I totally am on the same page as you. The different types of love, the, the strength of the love, I think, is something as well. And what it's done for me as a person. And I, I've posted about this on uh, my, my own social media before. Um, we do just really sort of briefly, we do this thing called One Second Every Day. You might have heard of it. Um, yes, the little video. Yeah, the little video. Yeah, We've yeah. done that for Austin since the day was born. Um, well, so not quite sure. The day he came home because the first two weeks in the hospital were a bit of a mess. But <laughs> from the day he came home, uh, and we've got every single one of those and we share those every month just to show everyone kind of what Austin's been up to and what kind of progress he's making it. And more as well for us is to see how far he's come. Um, and I never could have estimated how much I would learn about myself by being a dad, first of all, but by being a dad to a child with Down syndrome, to being a dad to Austin because he absolutely makes my world a better place and he makes me a better person because of it. I sort of commit to myself to be the best I can be so that I can do the best for him because I want him to have, like, you know, we mentioned opportunities and uh, given those opportunities to be able to do whatever he wants to do and has the capacity and ability to do. And he just surprises us every single day. And if he's not surprising us every day, he's making us smile every day. Do you know what? The biggest positive for me is seeing Orson undo other people's stereotypes, stereotypical perceptions of children and people with Down syndrome. I love that. That's that's it. That is it. A lot of people, my experience of children or people with Down syndrome before was through other people's kind of voices and narrative. And it was other people saying, oh, they're always so happy. They're always so positive. Yeah. They are yeah. not. <laughs> like, <laughs> my, <laughs> my son it, is slightly yeah. happy and positive. Yes, he is. But he is stubborn like me. He has my attitude. He is moody. He will tell you when he doesn't <laughs> want to do something. And, and I love it because he's not just in this box of what other people think a person with Down syndrome should be. He's so much more and he breaks out of those stereotypes every day. Carl, can I ask you about Felix? And Yeah. Because you're the first dad I've spoken to. So, so far I've spoken to Jim, who's dad, to Millie, who's three. And Millie doesn't have any brothers or sisters. I've also spoken to Rich, who's dad to Eli, who's seven and a typical child, and Asher, who's two, and Asher has Down syndrome. So the youngest child has Down syndrome. Yeah. You're the first dad I've spoken to who's got an older child with Down syndrome and then a younger child who doesn't have Down syndrome. Yeah. I'm concerned about saying, were you worried and it's because I'm learning this new glossary. I am a dad of a child with Down syndrome. And I understand that it's, you know, for example, when I first sent through to PADS, I sent like a little trailer for this this podcast. And I said in there, you know, I'm just kind of talking about my experience. I was like, and we didn't know that there was a risk of Down syndrome during the pregnancy. And Holly from PADS, Down Syndrome UK, emailed back and said, really like it, great vibe, just 
would you mind, you know, and put it into your language, but we don't like saying risk of Down syndrome. Yeah. You know, we follow the, the NHS guidelines, which is chance of Down syndrome. And when someone tells you that kind of stuff, you go, that makes perfect sense. You know, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to offend. And I don't mean to offend in this situation because, you know, I love Leo and I absolutely, you know, he's the most wonderful boy and I love being a dad. But if I'm being completely honest, the worry and the stresses, the, there are, you know, yes, PADS is positive about Down syndrome, but there are things that, that are difficult with yeah. it. And there are things that you, you wouldn't, like we're talking about in terms of the future, for example, there, there are considerations there that you, there are things that you don't want to think about sometimes. <laughs> Did you worry that Felix could also be born with Down syndrome or... Do you see what I'm trying to get to? Yeah, here, no, without I, I, without trying to be in without trying to be something. I don't. I don't want you to click leave Zoom. Can't no, believe you asked no, that. No. Do you know what I mean? I, do you know what I'm glad you mentioned the language side of things as well, though, because that was something for me new that I had to learn as well. Um, and one of the things I love about pads is and uh, some of the materials that they share for um, raising awareness. Um, you know, used for words like chance rather than risk, things like that. Different ways of expressing how you might say a person has Down syndrome or a person with Down syndrome or a child with Down syndrome um, and other ways that people can say that that aren't the best way to express that. I'll, I mean, I, I'll say it on here because I don't, I, don't, I, don't I don't use it anymore and it was something I had to learn. I, I used to say, um, even when I was very, you know, a couple of days old, um, Downs instead of Down syndrome or a person with Down syndrome and it's that language is so important and I think one of the great things I've had is it was raise awareness of that and support us to use the right language for ourselves with our families. And it's something that I've kind of taken forward and, you know, with the grandparents, oh, you shouldn't say that. Don't say that. Say yeah, it this yeah. way. But actually, it's yeah. more than just kind of correcting them now. It's It actually means more to me to know that there's a, a correct way to express these things and, a, and the right way to say it. Um, so I just I wanted mean, to touch on the I, language there. I don't begrudge anybody for using yeah. language which isn't necessarily language that I would like to use now that I know, but I find it a real kind of like positive when someone does use the, the yeah. correct language. I think that's yeah. the best way. It's not like I don't kind of look down on someone and go, well, sit down, I'm going to give you a lesson in why you should be saying child with Down syndrome. But when someone does use childhood Down syndrome, you go, ah, okay, hang on a sec. Like, yeah. do you know about this? Like, what's your yeah. experience of this? <laughs> you know, and it, it, I, I find, anyway, yes. Yeah, but you're asking about worries. And uh, yeah, no offence. You haven't caused any offence at all. And I think it's only natural, I think, for parents to worry about those things. There is so much positivity out there about children and people with Down syndrome that I'm aware of now, but if you aren't aware of what support is out there and if you aren't aware of how capable and how far our children can go, you might still worry. Um, and I think for all of us and had open heart surgery, we feel very fortunate that that was the only other thing on top of his diagnosis of Down syndrome that we had to go through because I know that there are other families with far greater complications and we did worry that if Felix did have Down syndrome to what extent might he have other medical conditions associated with that because Austin I think has a 
slightly biased now as well because he lives with me but i think austin has a great life and i think austin has a lot of great <laughs> opportunities ahead of him but if he had additional complications that might limit things for different periods in his life so it did worry about it but we also had that spin of positivity that we've done this before and if he does have down syndrome it's not something that's it wasn't something that would be new to us this time but it was always in the back of our minds um but we went for uh, an enhanced blood test that you can get done does it get like the harmony in the panorama test um blood test so we went for that with Felix, um, and that gives more of a, a 99.9% accuracy rating um, as to whether or not it's not just for Down syndrome, it's for a range of other conditions, and you can also find out the, the gender of the baby very early on. We went for that this time to give ourselves peace of mind Yeah, this time around. You've explained that really, really well, because I think... In- that's it, is that we know that we have been very, very lucky with Leo. If we had another child with Down syndrome, would we be so lucky again? And I think it, it takes a huge amount of, of courage from, from both you, Nick, and Gemma to, to go for it. And I, I love what you said about, you know, we, we, we've done this. You know, we, we, we know that we can do this. Yeah. So, yeah, honestly, thank you so much for, for taking the time to to talk to me today I, I really do appreciate it. i'm getting something new from every conversation i have and i think that the main thing for me is i totally get why i kind of buried my head in the sand i understand why i did it i understand i'm kind of being i'm not looking back and going you idiot you know why do you do that you should have done you know you've got to be kind to yourself haven't you and yeah I've really enjoyed getting to know you and I'd, I'd love to to keep in touch. Please do. I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed the opportunity to kind of think and reflect and yeah, you give me a lot of space to kind of open up a little bit on things that I probably just keep to myself, really typical plug behaviour maybe, but... Because um, we're men and we yeah, live in a cave exactly. and we yeah. don't talk about our feelings. <laughs> <laughs> But it is but we important. Should. Exactly. It's important that we have those connections and that we can share how we're feeling, the good, the bad, you know, and all the ugly bits in between. Because especially with our children, there's so much positivity to enjoy that we should share with each other. But we also need those support networks for when things do get tough. Um, even if it is just, you know, another hospital visit because of a, a chest infection and you know, that those sort of things. And the community is so strong and so friendly and receptive to one another because we all have that shared common interest and experience and that, and you know nobody's i mean there would be professionals out there but nobody's an expert in children with down syndrome we all have our own experiences with those with our, with our children and we all have like all have experiences to share thank you for having me <laughs> i could i could probably talk about this more but um yeah we should we should we should do carl Dad to Orson, who's two, and Felix, who's five months. Thanks so much. It's been great to meet you. Thank you very much, Ben. Thank you for listening to the Pads Dads podcast. I really hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, please share it with someone you think might find it interesting. Um, and of course, please don't forget to check out Down Syndrome UK. Their website is Down Syndrome UK. 
www.positiveaboutdownsyndrome.co.uk or you can search for Positive About Down Syndrome on social media. PADS is all about promoting greater inclusion and acceptance, providing training and resources to maternity units and health professionals, but also, of course, supporting families of children with Down Syndrome through up-to-date information and support, counselling, working with experts to provide online early development courses. There's so much stuff that Down Syndrome UK do, so please do have a look. Uh, In fact, you can go and find specific resources, downsyndromeuk.co.uk forward slash resources. And the final thing to say is don't forget there is a Pads Dads and a Pads Dads to Be. There are two closed private Facebook groups. If you want to join them, just search for them on Facebook. Um, Thank you so much again for listening. We really appreciate your time. And I really hope that you join me again to meet another Pads Dad next time.